0: Six minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned into Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our wrap of the top business stories. And uh, to take a look at uh, uh, how the markets fared on this Thursday, I'm joined by analyst at Vestact Asset Management, and that's Bright Kumano. Mbulaz, um, Munjan
1: I'm very well, thanks. Good to be back.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. Good to hear from you. Uh, where were you? Collecting money. Ah.
1: Now
0: nah, I was actually spending money in Sushru and ah. So it was uh, a different endeavor, unfortunately. Okay, okay. I, I like I like how um you know people some uh, white people from KZN called Shoshoue. It's
1: just it's just not shushuwe. Shushuwe
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mbulaz, Let's yeah. start off in Tanzania. I want us to start off in Tanzania. Uh where well, it seems, I guess, uh as with any Uh, a prime commodity like gas or oil. We're often going to find conflict not so far from those areas, least of all here on the continent. It seems now that uh, some of the issues in the the northern uh, side of Mozambique have started to filter through to the southern border of Tanzania and uh, uh, seeing some reports here coming through from the island of Pemba uh, where it seems uh, there's been a confirmed terror attack near some of the southern gas fields.
1: Yeah, you, you're quite right. I mean, the insurgent of, you know, the Islamic militants in the northern side of Mozambique, which is, you know, Cabo Delgado, uh, I mean, it, there's been a lot of uh, news that has been going around for about three years now reporting that there's been an insurgency there and something needs to be done uh, about it. This is obviously, uh, for those who don't know, northern Cabo Delgado is a province where uh, there's also a lot of, you know, gas. Uh, you know, natural gas uh, pipelines in that mm. side, where the likes of Sasa, for example, used to operate, but they got rid of you know the those uh, g- gas lines there recently. Um, and so we're talking about uh, you know about 300 or so suspected uh, Islamic militants, which, uh, like you say, um, these were gunmen that attacked the Kitaya village. In another case, which region of you know the the, the, the region of Mtwara. Uh, in 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 um uh, like you're saying uh, southern Tanzania. Uh, the guys in Pemba actually, you know, they're they're not at at much risk. It's a it's a very remote, very beautiful island. Uh, I've been there. Um but yeah the big issue is, is there um and which hasn't been there hasn't been much done about it uh, in terms of the two countries coming together to try uh, you know nip it in the bud. Uh, and we I mean we've seen videos on social media going around it's just random uh, people shooting at you know innocent civilians, and this has mm-hmm. led to over two three hundred and ten thousand uh of you know people that lived in both those areas to actually relocate and over two thousand one hundred and ten get reported so far that are unknown obviously there might be more that haven't been reported so this is uh, you know terrorism researching in a big way um between Tanzania and northern uh, Mozambique, which is not good for us african people
0: yeah yeah, and of course i mean if you if you think about that entire coastline right up uh, to around Mosel Bay or so,
1: um,
0: if, if indeed we do find other discoveries, it's certainly going to be uh, a, something that uh, might be a flashpoint for some of the uh, efforts or the global war on terror, uh, whatever manifestations of that uh, war might find expression here, but uh, certainly something to be concerned about uh, uh, for many of us uh, within the region. Let's shift our attention now to, and we'll ask just briefly, the uh, uh, employment tax incentive. Now, we know... It was initially mooted just as the youth employment tax incentive, but uh, during uh, the COVID-19 moment, a Scope uh, was open to expand it uh, as part of the relief measures. Uh, And it seems, I guess, even from uh, Chris Axelson and his team at uh, the National Treasury looking at uh, uh, economic analysis of tax matters, uh, that there certainly hasn't been as much take up as uh, many would have liked.
1: First of all, it said that actually um, there was such a, a tax incentive, uh, you know, cost-sharing benefits uh, between you know the private sector, the public sector, and government, uh, to just ensure that you know if you have an, a, an employee that earns 6,500 rand or below, uh, and uh, you know below the age of 30, or you're potentially looking at hiring someone, uh, you know, below the age of 30, uh, you know, maybe an intern. Uh, you know, um, in, in, in in that, you know, tax bracket, uh, you know, it sort of made sense in theory, but, you know, reality is very different. South Africans, you know, saw, you know, um, COVID as a very big risk to business. And obviously, government didn't, you know, do themselves, you know, didn't paint themselves in glory uh, when they shut down the whole of the country for close to five months. And, you know, it was very hard to operate a business in South Africa. Meaning, it's either people took, you know, big, you know, um salary cuts and put a pause in hiring new employees, and those, you know, you know the, you know, the last interest out rule when it comes to, you know, hiring and and obviously firing as well. So yeah. those that youth were the ones that were called first uh when mm. you know people are losing their jobs. So this incentive wasn't an incentive at all it was literally just a theoretical thing that was up in the air and no one you know took it upon themselves to actually use it had maybe the the amount increased and you know it it ranged between you know everyone below the age of 40 would have made a little bit more sense um but right now it hasn't actually helped anyone
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, for me, one of
0: the biggest stories today, uh, Bulaz, at least of all after, I guess, what happened with the, with the hair debacle, some of the numbers that came through from clicks. And uh, I must say, uh, looking at that presentation earlier on, I found uh, uh, their performance rather interesting. I mean, aside from uh, weaknesses in the Musica offering, uh, which was down, I think, uh, revenue down 30 percent or earnings down around 30 percent or so due to the lockdown. And they were only able to operate around the first of June or so. Um, and, and these numbers are right up until the end of August. But what do you make of that distribution unit? I mean, um, I guess many analysts today saying that that has been able to effectively blow the lights out, of course, on the back of a strong showing by the retail, uh, beauty, and uh, cosmetics business as well.
1: Correct. I mean, you're referring to the $1.1 billion, uh, dividend to the shareholders, which, again, uh, is management saying that you know this is a very resilient business, notwithstanding the fact that we're only allowed to sell essential products. Yeah, uh, we're not allowed mm. to sell anything else, which is really what actually drives profit. Right, it's everything else. The the essentials get you to the store, um, and you know the rest of your 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 product range, uh, you know, is, is straight you know bottom line. It's it's not margin. So um, it's again, Kicks is a very unique. Story, um, You know, they sell makeup, they sell essential products, like I said, they've got a, a well nice diversified business. They've also got the pharmaceutical distribution business, which, you know, everything, like you're saying, from bulk medicine, distribution, uh, online sales, all doing exceptionally well. This is obviously prior to the, you know, the, the, you know, the I can't even pronounce the word of Tresnay or whatever it's called. So because that happened in September, so these numbers are before that. But uh, I mean, it's it's still looking very good considering that this is in the midst of a pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen a lot of uh, SA Inc businesses reporting their numbers like Goodvest, you know, and the likes. the numbers went this good, it's either they were flat or they were down, you know, single digits if it was a very strong, resilient business. But if it was, uh, you know, a very cyclical business, you've seen double digits, uh, you know, mm. in the wrong side of uh, of the earnings. So, kudos to the, you know, clicks management. But they still have to, you know, um, be sensitive of what they put out there in terms of ads. It's, it's yeah. totally unacceptable as a black person that you find a company run by ask for us and then you still find things like that ish, ish. What, what do you make i mean
0: of uh, the body shop story uh, it must be gutting for some of those who uh, operate uh, the standalone stores uh, who were unable to operate during the, the lockdown and yet we saw 9.7 percent rise in uh, sales volumes coming through from uh, uh, body shop and of course also a good showing in their private label offering
1: yeah i mean you know branded products especially Strong organic products like the body shop uh, just signals that, you know, we, a lot of, you know, the South African population has been affected by COVID-19. Selling, like I said, has been cut, etc., etc. But these guys, these products are very inelastic in a sense that to the targeted market, the people who can afford, you know, a 350 rand body lotion, uh, you know, or a face mask for 600 bucks or 700 bucks, those people are still going to go out there and want to look good because that makes them feel confident and they're not going to substitute their body shop for you know camphor cream sorry to camphor right Mm. but this is the this is the honest truth um and 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 having these strong brands as targeted at you know the 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 lsm's eight to ten does pay off in such you know terrible time um and Mm. it's still exceptionally well like you said in 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 those products
0: that's quite interesting. I mean, for me, when I look at an entity like Clicks, this this parallel strategy that's being run here. I mean, uh, on the one hand, boosting your digital channels, be it your loyalty program or the app, 1.1 million people now on that app. Uh, and then, of course, the sort of boots on the ground type of approach as well, where uh, according to their numbers, uh, 50% of the South African population has a Clicks pharmacy within six kilometers of their home. Talk to me about this. I mean, just in the context of, I guess, even from a low base online sales growing by close on 200%, uh, which, of course, is still you know, a marginal part of uh, uh, total sales, but but still something worth, I guess, talking about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can talk about this broadly. Um, this is not a, a, a phenomenon unique only to South African businesses. I and mean, mm. Like ShopRite, where we've seen the 6060 app, or the Checker 6060 app, or whatever they call it. Um, most businesses that were forced to go online, due to this pandemic that we're currently going through have basically accelerated their efforts to go online uh, where apparently some of the businesses were actually aiming to get to where they are today in 2025. So this is an accelerated online efforts by five, six years, which is exceptional for all the businesses that are involved. And it's very good for the consumer because, you know, convenience is always top of mind when I want to do my shopping. I don't get really excited about going to do my groceries or buying my, uh, you know, things like condoms and lotions at the likes of clicks. It's, it's not an exciting thing. I can just click a button, get it delivered into my house. That's even better, right? Uh, if there was sufficient service to do to do so, I'd like to, to take upon that option, so I don't even think about it when I'm, you know, doing other tasks. So this is not just me who thinks like this. This is the whole a lot of people, you know, the digital generation, Generation Z, uh, we're talking about my generation, which is, you know, the millennials. This is how we think. We want to you know, optimize our time doing things that matter to us, things we care about and Mm. let the mundane stuff happen automatically. So this is not unique to clicks. Uh, but, but in terms of, you know, the unique offering or the unique, you know, I think angle for clicks is, you know, they're very, um, smaller stores as compared to this can very massive yes, stores, yes. a lot broader range, so they can afford to have these smaller stores that they can control, um, and they uh-huh. can have them six kilometers from each other, like you're saying, uh, without actually, uh, you know, using the Walmart type model, where uh, Walmart actually is three kilometers away from each other. So six kilometers away from each other is also not that bad, but without cannibalizing each other. So uh, yeah, for me, yeah. I can go to, you know, a click because I live in Parkwood, I can go to Eclipse in Kilani. I can go to Eclipse here in Rosebank. Both of them are literally two kilometers away from me. I'm right in the mm-hmm. centre. It makes sense. So whichever one I want to go to that day, I can even go there in Rosebank. I even have two. If I if I if I want the option. Eesh. So <laughs> so this is you know the kind of thinking that management has. But most of the ah, management. Vikesh must get you, them, man.
0: Vikesh, Vikesh, must get you to 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 punt his uh, store strategy uh, because I ain't <laughs> aware now. You're at the epicenter of all of his stores. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I just, I just looked at the model. I found it quite interesting because we've read a lot mm. about the Walmart model and why it doesn't really cannibalize itself when people think it's going to help, rather than it's actually bring more people from across the, you know, that six kilometer radius to come shop at these different stores.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mbulas, before, I let you go, my brother. I, let's maybe leave the tech story for a second here. It seems. Uh, I guess the impasse between the D.P. and the Treasury on the future of S.A.A., according to Pravin Gordon, has effectively been resolved. (laughs) Uh, And I say according to Pravin Gordon, because I know the medium-term budget policy statement is still coming up, uh, and we might maybe hear something different there, so so that's why. hmm.
1: So, I mean, um, Pravin Gordon says the differences between himself and the finance minister, Peter Boyd, have been resolved. Uh, which mm-hmm. is to say, you know, I'll break down, you know, the, the, the French or the Greek that is saying here is that the Tombo got outvoted in the, in, in the cabinet for, you know, majority rules cause we're a democracy and the SAA plan, you know, to save SAA about for about 10.5 billion is back on track. It doesn't mean it's going through for now, but it's just back on track, but, uh, like I say, we'll have to wait for that, you know, you, you, the midterm budget statement and hear the man himself speak for himself to see actually whether you know he's, he's a broken-in dog or he's still an independent wolf.
0: Same, big one. Plus, let's leave it there,
1: my brother. Let's
0: leave it there. I don't know. Uh, I guess only time will tell uh, whether or not. Uh, maybe by the end of this month, we'll probably be a bit clearer about what the next few months look like. Uh, for our national carrier, but uh, as always, ang and thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us.
1: No, thank you, thank you for having me.
0: That there was Bright Kumalo is an analyst at Vestact Asset Management, and uh, talking to us, of course, about some of the big stories in the uh, world of money and in the world of business and political economy uh, on this Thursday. We're going to take a quick break now, and uh, when we come back, we continue on that thread and uh, we take a look. At a food insecurity and uh, our thought leader on this Thursday's program coordinator at the Peter Maritzburg Economic Justice and Dignity Program, Mervyn Abrahams. And he's going to be telling us all about the work that they do in the world of solidarity and, of course, uh, trying to pursue an economy that provides justice, equity
1: and dignity for all.